I'm excited about this sermon series. Like, very excited about the sermon series. Um, Ben um, came up to me earlier today, and uh, he was saying he's feeling the heaviness of this particular sermon for me, and I'm feeling it too. Um, And so I want to pray. And then we'll jump in. So, Father, you are God. You are God. Amen. And you are good. Yes. And we praise you. Yes. We give you all glory. Yes. We worship you, God. We don't hold any back for ourselves. So even as we dive into this time, we pray your blessing and your your words here. But also, God, as we've talked about giving, we pray that you receive that which we give, multiply it for your kingdom. May our hearts be where you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, So uh, we're starting a new sermon series, and we're kind of diving into talking about spirit realm things, uh, which um, this is both... It's got content of the sermon series and a little bit of rationale for why we're doing it to begin with. So if it's your first time here, hey, glad that you're here. You're joining us for a very interesting first day of a sermon series. Um, And uh, the title of the sermon is God of Gods. Um, I will be, when I say we're going to be all over the place, we will be all over the place today. <laughs> um, it is not, this is a very different kind of sermon. Um, it's much more of like an argument, not like a debate between two parties. It is, I want you to see something. Uh, so if you've ever read any kind of theological book, they use a lot of scriptures all the way throughout. Um, well, there's a lot of scriptures. There's a lot of portions of scripture, and they'll show up on the screen. But the like, where we'll land will be <laughs> Colossians chapter one, fifteen through seventeen, and Colossians two, eleven through fifteen. Um, next slide for me. At Unison, we are a multi everything. <laughs> we are multi ethnic, and candidly and unapologetically so. Amen. We're also multi. Rational, also multilingual and gender and multi-socioeconomic and multi-denominational. We have individuals who are uh, spouse-proclaimed demon slayers. (laughs) It's to people who Unison is the first church in which they regularly talk about the Holy Spirit. And they're adults. Like... And so when we talk about spirit realm things, 
there is a reality that we have a wide gap to cover. And I think when we think about this, there's a, there's a part of us that can go in like, oh, we're about to start talking about the deep and the dark and the, and the, and the nope, pause. We have a purpose. At the end of these five weeks, I want for us to have a shared understanding, shared language, so we can have shared experience in the spirit. When you have such a wide gap, you can't do what like old black church saints used to call one accord. (laughs) You can't get on one accord. (laughs) When we don't even, if we don't understand the Holy Spirit, we can't be on the same page. If we don't understand what happens in the spirit realm, we can't be on one accord. If we don't have an imagination, and I don't mean imagination is in not reality, as imagination is in if I can't even think about what I can expect from the spirit, then there's no way we can be on the same page which then means that we will not share many of the experiences that I believe God's calling us to. I believe Lily was speaking about this morning as well. This whole series is not just because we are curious about unseen things. The whole series is because I firmly believe that the Lord is leading us somewhere. And if we don't have an understanding when we get there, we will not be on the same page. And if we're not on the same page, we position ourselves to be in danger spiritually. And I doesn't, I don't want to say that in a scary way, right? But we just position ourselves to not be where we should be empowered by the Spirit in the ways in which we should be empowered because we don't have an imagination for it. So we'll be diving through a number of different topics, but I want to show you these books real quick um, because they are, um, we're not preaching out of the books, but the teaching team, uh, we read The Unseen Realm, um, which is the deep nerdy version of (laughs) Supernatural. Supernatural is like, That's the one we're actually going to do a book study on in the future. Actually, halfway through the series, we'll kind of be talking about when that book study study will begin. But much of the language for how we talk about the Spirit will kind of be similar to uh, to these books. So if you're new to this and you're like, oh, I would love to be able to have a robust understanding of the supernatural, get supernatural. If you're a nerd like me, get the unseen realm. They're, the content is very similar. It's a, written by the same author. Actually, the author wrote Supernatural because he realized afterwards, it was like, yeah, most people ain't going to read this. <laughs> like, this. This mug is dense. Um, so Supernatural is the unseen realm light. <laughs> Uh, but it is still very, very um, powerful. It's still very good. Honestly, this week I started referencing that um, for the sermon prep uh, simply because I knew that we would be using it as a book study. Uh, one more thing to kind of set up. It's a picture. 
because it's talking about what we're going into today. Um, I have, for the last maybe year and a half, been alluding to the fact that Scripture does not work hard to tell us that there's only one God. And I know in our American version of Christianity, there's we only have an imagination and capacity for thinking about there's one God and that's, and that's it. And everything else is just, ah, it's fake. So there's plenty of portions of scripture that talk about the God that we worship being the God of gods, which we'll talk about in a moment. But this is a picture uh, that is adapted from something that Pastor Ben uh, show me, uh, uh, one of his professors actually drew this up for their class. And, um, and I was like, oh my gosh, that is perfect for this week. We're going to be talking about angels and demons and humanity next week. But I wanted us to see this picture because that word Elohim is both singular and plural. Normally in scripture, when you see the word Elohim and it's singular, it's talking about the God, Yahweh. But it's also plural, meaning gods, angels, demons, basically any spiritual beings. This is how the writers of scripture understood the spirit realm, <laughs> right? So when we read the Bible, this is what we're reading. We're reading that God has made humanity, Adam, we say Adam, but that's what Adam means. It means humanity. And God also made God's angels and demons. We'll talk about those gods throughout today. And I kind of made this little like Trinitarian looking, what looks like the beginnings of a fetus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at the top, uh, because that is a unique spiritual being, Yahweh. That is the name of the God that we worship. I know that we call this God just God with a big G, but that's why we also see most high in scripture, because there is this separation from all other spiritual beings, all other gods. This is a unique being that has created all things. This is the most high God, the most high Elohim. Normally in our English Bibles, they are separated by a big G and a little g. And normally here, most of the scripture that we have are all capitalized. Today, I had to use lowercase letters to keep us on track. <laughs> We'll return to this picture in a minute, but what we're going to be processing today is the little g gods. And it's important that we process the little g gods because that's kind of our entry into processing the spirit realm. So those little g gods are also called the Elohim. Plural. All right. It's kind of like the word sheep. Sheep is both singular and plural. This word is that way as well. So, uh, and for many of us, that's already like, wait, I thought only the big G God was Elohim. I know. We're breaking, breaking up a couple of things that we've learned along the way. Some, it's okay for us to know that we as believers relate a little bit differently in 2022 American Christianity. But when we read the Bible, this is how the authors of Scripture 
understood. And so if we don't understand that, then we get ourselves mixed up when we're reading the Bible. So Old Testament stuff. Let's kind of read through um, this portion of Scripture, Exodus 15, verse 11. Who is like you among the gods, <laughs> O Lord? glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. There's another portion of scripture. O sovereign Lord, you have only begun to show your greatness and the strength of your hand to me, your servant. Is there any God in heaven or on earth who can perform such great and mighty deeds as you do? I know we may like pass over these like verses of script, like these portions of scripture. We're just kind of like graze over it. <laughs> like I don't have any time to process whether like what did he just say? Is there any God in heaven or on earth like you? <laughs> That's not a coincidence, fam. It's in there because this is the way in which the writer of Deuteronomy relates to the Spirit. There's another portion of Scripture in Deuteronomy. It says, for the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God. He shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. And the last portion of Scripture that we're going to look at here in the Old Testament is give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. These are only four verses, but let me tell you, if you have an electronic Bible that will allow you to do cross-references, if you cross-reference these, it'll send you to a whole bunch of other portions of Scripture that talk about the God of gods. I've told you I've been alluding to for the last year and a half, the Bible does not work at all to prove to us that there's only one God because that's not true. Ooh, the Bible's view of God, Yahweh, the Most High, is not that God, Yahweh, the Most High, is the only spiritual being with power. He's just the only one worthy of your worship and adoration. That's why it's God. That, that's all these portions of Scripture talk about God being the God of gods. <laughs> that's why he's also separated in that zygote looking thing at the top god of gods something else that we should understand about these little g gods the writers of scripture understood these little g gods to be a part of heaven's council The book that, we're, that I was referencing, um, both The Unseen Realm and Supernatural, kind of talk about God creating two families. There's a Elohim, right? Spiritual beings, plural. That's a family. And then Adam, humanity, another family. Both a part of him delegating his authority into all of creation. Humanity's role we know about in Genesis, to care for, govern, and have dominion in the earth. The Elohim, the council, this heavenly council, they are to do the same in the spirit. God sits above both these two households as creator of both, delegating his authority to both, and these gods, these Elohim, are supposed to govern the spirit in the authority of 
the Most High God. You with me? I know this is a lot. I know. It's like, oh, (laughs) this is why we're starting here. Humanity governed the earth under the authority of the Most High God, Creator God. There's portions of Scripture that will either call this Heaven's Council or the Court or simply Assembly, and even some of them Sons of God. That is in both Psalms, and we'll also read a portion of Scripture here in Job. But I want to look at um, Psalms chapter 82, verse 1. God presides over heaven's court. We don't, we pass. I know that when we read through Psalms, because we're not thinking like the writer of Psalms about the spirit realm, we just like heaven's court. I'm like, oh yeah, that's like they just get together to have, you know, they judge things. Basketball court, maybe, tennis, I don't know. God presides over heaven's court. This is a big G God, the most high God. Yahweh is the ultimate judge over these assembly of Elohim. He pronounces judgments on the heavenly beings. Heavenly beings. All of the Elohim. When we think heavenly, don't think up in the sky with harps, spiritual beings. That's what heavenly means in scripture. Okay, taking a moment to breathe because some of our minds are like, okay, that's a lot. Next portion of scripture for me. Many of us have read through Job only once in our life because it doesn't make sense to us. But if you're one of those people who like read the Bible, you know, read the Bible in a year, every time you get to Job, you're like, oh man, I love Job. He had a lot of patience. But we skip past some of these weird things like one day the members of the heavenly court (laughs) came to present themselves before the Lord and the accuser Satan came with them. (laughs) It's like, what is Satan doing? (laughs) Like, because Satan's an Elohim. One of the things that we do not often process is just like humanity has some individuals living in rebellion, but still have been delegated the authority to care for the earth and the natural creation, there are spiritual beings hanging out in rebellion to God who have still been given the authority and the power to do things in the spirit but are just living in opposition to the will of the Most High God. It's important that we know that because when we start talking about Scripture and we're talking about the spirit realm, it won't make sense who Satan is, for real, if we don't talk like this. It won't make sense who we are if we don't speak this way about what's happening in the spirit. So for those of us who are like, why is Satan up there? Because that's what Satan was actually created to do, to be one of the beings in the court. (laughs) Like, I know that may make some of us shudder, but there are also some humans who are also still in positions of authority who are doing some things that they should not do, right? 
Let's not, let's, don't, I know because it's mysterious to us. I know it's because it's unseen that it can be weird for us to think. But these are created beings just like we are. And they have been given a will just like we have been given a will. And for whatever reason, God does not strip away their power just because they're not acting in his will. He don't strip away our power either. Oh, I know. I know. Like, like, I'm telling you, I wish that God would just strip away some being's power. <laughs> Humans included. <laughs> like, listen, just break their teeth, Lord, because that's what, that's what David says. <laughs> there's, a, there's a final portion of scripture that I want to look at. Job was um, now having a conversation with God back and forth. And, um, and ultimately, Job's mad because God, like, he's experiencing all of this hardship. And he know he didn't do anything wrong. And the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? <laughs> Brace yourself like a man because I have, quest- have some questions for you. And you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretch out the, sur- the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Remember, our, uh, if you could go back to that Heaven's Council, um, Sons of God, I put a star next to the word angels in that Job 38 verse because that that even though it says angels there the hebrew is sons of god so here's something interesting for us to keep in mind the council was hanging around while god was creating the earth this is important for us to know this is all foundational stuff we're laying the foundations for what we're, where we're going for the whole sermon series and the foundation that we have to make sure that we keep in mind, even though we're talking about other gods, even though we're talking about Elohim, even though we're talking about angels and Satan being in part of the court, God is the God of gods. Yahweh, the most high God, is the big G God of little g gods. So what does the New Testament say? That's where we see this new word some of you are like oh yes I know that one (laughs) yes principalities are gods that's the best way for us to understand principalities and I know sometimes we think principalities and we think this like you know like cosmic structure no (laughs) cosmic being (laughs) Rulers and authorities, cosmic powers in heavenly places. Some of us recognize that language from the book of Ephesians, right? We'll talk about that verse in a moment. But when we think principalities, these are cosmic powers, a.k.a. spiritual powers, impacting our natural reality, a.k.a. Elohim, a.k.a demons, little g gods, right? 
So this is where I wanted to actually kind of land a little bit because it's important that we know about these spiritual beings. Some of us have come in today and it's like, I don't have a, I don't believe in that. Um, or I have no education in that. I don't understand that. Whether or not we believe in it or whether or not we have an education in it doesn't matter. It's okay for us to be able to say that. I don't have to understand the weather to be impacted by it. Amen. Amen. I don't have to understand the United States economy to be under the weight of it. You don't have to understand principalities to be under their thumb. They don't care about what you understand. <laughs> and that is the truth of how the world is right now. These principalities, these little G gods that, that are in rebellion to the most high God, have authority spiritually and are still enacting that authority spiritually. Their original design and purpose was to do that in, under the, the will and authority of the Father, but have done like other humans have done too. I want to do my own thing. Many of the gods that we read about in Scripture, like Baal, and all of the Egyptian gods and all of the Persian gods and all the other gods that are in the New Old Testament and the New Testament. Principalities, Elohim, acting in rebellion to the Most High God. Remember a couple of weeks ago in the beginning of the idolatry series, I was saying that idols are, like, are not statues. Statues are not idols. Statues just represent the spiritual being that, is that has power to do things, right? I know that we have, a, we have a Christian faith that only wants one spiritual being to have power, but that's not how Most High God created this. It's not. So there are beings whom you can pray to who will do things for you. There are spiritual beings whom you can have a relationship with who will do things for you. And many of us do. <laughs> Not just us as believers, many of us as in humans. And we live in many ways under the weight of that. But then Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. That part. <laughs> that part. <laughs> Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the visible image of God. Excuse me. Christ is, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Big G. He existed before anything was created. I told you that the Elohim were hanging out while God was creating he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Creation is not just natural, all creation. <laughs> For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. 
That's why I said, but Jesus. <laughs> he made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Whew, there's those words again that we sometimes just graze over because we're not really processing what's happening here. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and holds all creation together. I want you to see this picture again because I added something to what Ben <laughs> sent me. I put the cross in the middle of there as a representative of Jesus, even though I don't want us to be all idolatrous with that. But I told you that this is how the writers of Scripture understood the Spirit. Humanity and even priests and prophets are in this unique space. That little white line that's in between is kind of like priests and prophets sit in between God and the Elohim. Um, in the, how the writers of Scripture think about them. But there's this really unique space that Jesus sits in. <laughs> Jesus is both Elohim and human, priest, prophet, king. He's like all of it. When we talk about how bad Jesus really is, we don't always talk about how big and bad Jesus is. Because we don't process it this way. We yell, we say, God is, like Jesus is, yeah, he was God and he was man. No, 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 no. God, this is the dude, this is the being that everything is wrapped around. <laughs> this is the being that absolutely touches what it is to have authority in the natural and in the spiritual. This is the being that commands all the Elohim. And because he's also the king of, of the natural, he also commands all of humanity. And yes, I know that we're waiting for a moment when we get to see all of that happen, but that is who Jesus is. So that's why Colossians 2.11 can say, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Hold on. You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. You're still under the thumb of these... Uh, principalities, then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave you of your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them. If we don't have that background information, we don't know how to really celebrate what Jesus did for us. That in that way. That's why I had to read all of that lead up. Because I know that we talk about Jesus taking away our sins. And yes, Jesus did take away our sins, but he did something else too. Yes, he's given us power over death, but he did something else too. God, yes, he's given us power over shame, but he did something else too. 
because he sits in this unique place in all of the cosmos, he also had the ability to disarm principalities. Disarm. So not only am I not subject to sin anymore, the powers that sit in authority over this world in its fallen state, I'm no longer subject to. My favorite part of that is he shamed them publicly. <laughs> he didn't even do it in private. Like, he didn't send them an email. Like, he was like, <laughs> it was like, oh, you, Prince of Valley, you, no, no, no. <laughs> like, I dishonor you and your whole family. <laughs> By his victory over them on the cross. I want you to go back to that picture again with the cross there. God is the God of gods. Jesus is up in that trinity up in the yellow. If we don't understand how scripture speaks about the spirit realm, the unseen principalities, then we only live in a caricature of what Jesus has done for us. And living in that caricature of what Jesus has done for us means that I don't get to fully walk in the freedom and the victory. I am free from my sins, free from shame, have power over death, and I'm still under the thumb of principalities because I keep putting myself there. I keep walking under principalities. Jesus was like, I'll set you free from that, but I like it here. Now, no wonder many of us still struggle in ways that we believe we should be free from. Right? You know, like, you feel it. I should be free from this. <laughs> One of these principalities don't, we don't know their names in terms of what they would call themselves, but I'm going to talk about one of them that plagues us. Superiority that finds its way looking like racism. I know that we, we like to think of that as just a, like that's just a system because people don't like people. That's not thinking like a person who reads the Bible. Oh, if it's just one, two, three, ten people that don't like people, mm. if it's just one generation that has a problem, mm. when it's all over the world, impacting hundreds of years, that's a principality, boo. <laughs> and many of us, simply because we won't look at it as a little G God, keep finding ourselves under its authority. But as believers in Christ who have been redeemed and set free from all of these powers, I am not in any way subject to it. I get to live free from it regardless of the world that I'm in right now. 
both black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Native American, everybody, and all of the mixed people in between. That's actually what it looks like to be a redeemed humanity. Yeah, do we have to still navigate stuff? Yeah, we live in this world and there's a whole bunch of people who are still under the thumb of these principalities and I still got to do work with them. (laughs) But am I subject to that? No. Is our body, does we, do we have to be subject to that? Absolutely not. Look around, you're not. (laughs) And the moment that we believe and know that this is the work that Jesus has done. I can come from underneath that. I no longer see myself as a victim of it. One way or the other. I can acknowledge the pain without being a victim because I'm already victorious over it because I was buried with Christ when I was baptized and the same work that Christ has done has been done in me and is being done through me. I keep, I wanted to point to that priests and prophets place because this is the way that writers of scripture see the spirit realm. That's us. (laughs) We're in this as a priesthood of all believers. Like if you read Peter, Peter talks about us being priests. We're kind of in that interesting space where we're human, but we also have an understanding and authority in the spirit realm. And if we don't understand the, the, the landscape, <laughs> we'll be running when we need to be charging This is the truth. We'll be running when we need to be charging. We'll be fleeing when we need to be pursuing. The same power, not a similar power, the same power that rose Christ from the dead is in you. The same power that has disarmed principalities is in you. The same power that pulls down rulers is in you. But if we don't understand, if we don't understand, when we come up against other, we come up against Elohim, we won't live with that power. The last two verses This is not a, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare in in week three, I think. But I do want us to look at this as a bit of a precursor to it. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. 
if we don't understand scripture this way, the way that they wrote it, this doesn't make any sense. And we feel like, oh, by put on the full armor of God, what he meant was have healthy boundaries against unhealthy people. That is not what that means. <laughs> That's not what that means. It's true. Please do that. That's how we navigate stuff in the natural. Have healthy boundaries <laughs> between you and unhealthy people. But principalities don't care about your boundaries. <laughs> they really don't. They just don't care about your boundaries. <laughs> they care about the boundaries that are erected by the Spirit of God. Yeah, absolutely. But if you don't know that that's what you can do, <laughs> if you don't know that you can actually uh, pray hedges of protection, have you ever heard that kind of language? Right? If you don't know that you can plead the blood of Christ over things, if you don't know that you can actually go into spiritual places, I'm not saying have a trip. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, really? We can go? I ain't saying that. <laughs> what I'm saying, though, is if you don't know that we have been given in Christ the capacity for sitting in this middle space where we get to perceive both the natural and the spiritual and engage in both, then you will be wrestling with the same spirits, principalities, and little g-gods for every day of your life here. And some of them have been following your family for generations. That's what we call generational curses. It's not just that somebody said a hex over your great grandmother. There are principalities, powers in, unseen, in the unseen realm that set themselves up in your neighborhood or in your last name. <laughs> some, and I want you to go to counseling. Yes, I do. Please do. I want you to go to counseling. But I also want you to know that you have more authority than, than to just even ask God to take it away. Yes. I'm like When we're young, we ask. But as we mature, we know that we can actually just cast some stuff out. Amen. We can just tell some things to leave. Amen. My grandmother... I'll, I'll uh, end here. My grandmother, um, uh, my mother's mother, Willabelle, <laughs> uh, yeah, was her name. Um, I didn't spend a lot of time with her because our family lived in a different part of the country. We lived in Georgia. She was in New Jersey. But I, what I mean, like, she is the epitome to me of what it is to have faith. The epitome to me of what it is to have faith. Um, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but when I talk demon slaying, <laughs> spiritual warfare, like <laughs> initiating, um, she had no white flag in the spirit. <laughs> uh, she had a white cloth that she used to spin around at church um, while she was praising. But there would be times where she would 
feel in her spirit that something was not of God in the room. And she, and and when I mean like no hesitation, there was no second thought. That woman would just start praying. (laughs) She would just start, and she would open the doors and not yell, not scream. She ain't flinging oil around. She would just start praying, walk slowly to the door, open the door, and tell them to get out. (laughs) And then close the door and go cook. For some of us, that idea feels like, ooh, that feels weird and strange and that's not real. We're going to be here for five weeks. <laughs> it is not my job to convince us of anything. It is, our, it is our job as a teaching team so that we have shared understanding, shared language, so that we can experience shared things in the spirit. Not that so we can all do the same thing. That's not a thing. We'll talk about that in another week too. It's not about doing the same thing, but it is about experiencing the same thing. And I need you to know that just because humanity is on the lower part of that that picture doesn't mean that we have no authority and we are just subject to whatever happens. That's what Christ came to do. Yes, free me from sin but also give me authority and power. And I want us to have both. I want you to have freedom from sin and I want you to have authority and power. So this is just the setup. This is just the setup. Some of us have already been feeling this God's about to do something, and I believe it wholeheartedly. I do believe it wholeheartedly. Some things that we need to make sure that we, we'll keep probably revisiting these. Jesus says um, this um, when he's talking to the disciples, and uh, Ben mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> he sends the disciples out. And, he, um, and they are out casting out demons and all of that stuff. And they come back and like, Jesus, we was casting out demons and we <laughs> healing people and raising folks from the dead. He was like, great. But don't be too hype about being able to cast out demons. The most important thing that you got is that your name is written in the book of life. And we need to set that as a foundation because some of us will come out of this series fully armored up, and we're going to be like, we're going to be, be in the hood like, yo, what, what up, principalities? Like, we're we going to be picking fights with spirits. <laughs> we're going to go to literally every person with a cold, shaking our hands on their forehead. And I'm not, listen, I'm for it. Listen, if that's what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, do it. <laughs> But our joy isn't in what we can do in the spirit. Our joy, our peace, our comfort, and our foundation 
is that we are in right relationship with Creator God. That's what it means to have our names written in the book of life. We have right relationship with God. There are individuals, both spiritual and natural, who are living in rebellion. Don't take joy in being able to have authority over them. Take joy in the fact that you are in right relationship, living in the will of the Father. And in that way, Jesus didn't say this, I'm going to just put a little brackets and italicize, and in that way we won't get too arrogant, too big for our britches. I want to pray, then, um, then we, can, we can move. So, Father, thank you that you care so much that you live and die for us and then rise. Jesus, thank you, Jesus, that that is what this is. And we have celebrated for a long time that you have freed us from the stain of sin and shame in our individual lives and in our community. God, we will continue to praise you. Jesus, you're worthy. That's not going to end. But we have not always remembered that you came to do more than just set us free from sin. You came to set us free from sin and give us power over principalities, rulers, and authorities. That is what you came to do, to restore humanity's dominion in this natural place. Which means that you've also given us authority in the spiritual. And Lord, we want to live in that. We don't want to relish in it, but we do want to live in it. We don't want it to become our identity, but we do want it to be a part of the work we do for you. We trust you. Lord, where we are uncomfortable, where we are uneasy, where this feels foreign and strange, Holy Spirit, would you comfort us? Will you highlight in your word what needs to be highlighted? But will you also direct us in the Spirit? Holy Spirit, will you begin to speak to and through us in ways that we are not anticipating? But will you make it so abundantly clear that it's you, that it's undeniable? We need that. We do. We need it, God. For those of us who have counted ourselves out of understanding spiritual things, Holy Spirit, will you Ignite in us an, an imagination and a desire to live in the Spirit. We'll keep asking you this, Lord, both silently and publicly. Will you give us shared understanding, shared language, so that we may have shared experiences that glorify you, make us of one accord. In Jesus' name, amen.